0: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast, giving you insights into golf instruction at the highest level from on the PGA Tour to our learning center at Frederica Golf Club.
1: Normally when I do these things, I'm sitting around drinking beer or wine. This time I happen to be coming off of nine days, no golf swings, no nothing. I'm in the car with chip shot driving up from the Keys, Back up to Frederica talking to a good friend and one of the best in the business, Dr. Carton. Greg, what's up, Doc? Not much, Tony. Good to be on with you. And uh I wish I was going to Fred myself. Well, you know, we attempted to tape this ten days ago, but we did have too much wine and we couldn't tape <laughs> it.
2: <laughs>
1: so uh, Yeah, anyway, better do it now. After a nice little uh break, uh mental health break down in the Keys with Chip Shot, We're cruising back up, but um, I wanted to talk a little about, so the premise of this to me is how to take it from the range to the golf course, and we spent some time, you know, I thought it was interesting the things that we did, and you and I have done this with lots of folks over the years. I think maybe I've gotten a little better at figuring out, uh, not figuring out, but using you and having you help students of all abilities, not just Mm -hmm. juniors or tour players, but but I found it fascinating for, we had just a couple regular golfers, and what, I mean regular, like, members that, heck, I mean, are, really want to play better, not tour players, have jobs, right. work at it, and the question was how to get better at taking it to the golf course. So let's talk a little bit about what we did and, and talk a little bit about how you help people take it to the golf course. Sure. On the race.
2: Yeah, and, and it's probably the most common complaint that golfers have, right? So... I always view golf as two two different pieces. There's the skill development piece that you work on on the range, and then there's playing golf, and I think they're two different things. You have to have a certain level of skill, obviously, to compete and, and get the ball around the course, but they are two different things. But golfers fall into the trap of thinking that just because they hit it well on the range or on the practice screen that that's going to immediately transfer over. The problem right. is we don't practice the way we play. There's no way to replicate competing on the range, but the closer we can get, the better chance we're going to have at bringing what we can do on the range to the course. So we start with, you know, altering practice a little bit. So making a little bit more like you're competing, hitting different shots, going through different cadences, or having some intent when you hit shots. Right uh, Now, this is not to replace skill work, right, in, in block practice and in hitting shot after shot. That, that's important, too. But I think there's two pieces to it. So starting to hit some shots with some intent, picking different targets, hitting different shape shots, challenging yourself to do things maybe that are comfortable or things that you don't know how to do even, so that you can start you know,
1: tapping into some of that talent and instinct. You know, I think that when I watch and and, and this goes for lots of accomplished players too. It's not me, this isn't just isolated to the club level player or whatever, but you know, I see golfers players that like they do one or the other they're either like i see folks that are either really good at going and doing the random practice but aren't Mm -hmm. very good at doing block practice or i see folks that are really good at going to the range and they're good at working on whatever it is i gave them in the lesson but they don't do anything random that would transfer to the golf course and so to me the better the better players and the ones that really get it understand that you have to do both and both are important for becoming a better player
2: sure and i think everyone's always looking for that magic uh like you know the how much of one should i do and how much of the other i think a lot of it depends on where you are and if you're, if you're questioning your ability to bring what you know how to do on the range to the golf course well maybe it's time to practice a little bit more like you play if you're struggling with a specific skill and something a shot you can't hit well then maybe you know you got to look for your answers there's no right way to do it but I do think right. it's a combination of the both and that you know you play around with different things and it's a lot more fun practicing that way too I think if you can grab someone on the range and, and play games and but also spend time with your block practice too and developing the skill I, I, it's just there's no magic sort of concoction there's no there's no right way to do it you got to Constantly ask yourself the question, what do I need for myself? And then go from there.
1: You know, and I and I found it interesting. So we took – we had a we had a gentleman that was in town to work with me, Frederica Scott, and, you know, plus three handicap from Charlotte. I, I mean, plus three is a really good man. He was a real plus three. I mean, this guy hit a bunch of great shots. Mm-hmm. Good player, right? And yep. we took him on the golf course. And I felt like of all the stuff that we did that week, I felt like – he probably got more out of the retreat of the time that he spent with you than maybe he did with me on the mechanics. I'm not saying I didn't help him, but when it's a plus <laughs> to, me, to me, like we're not going to change a ton. I mean, the guy's already right, really right. damn good, you know. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, so one of the interesting things was like watching him make his way around a green before you talked to him, and you know, you looked at how how mechanical he was. and and how how much thought he was putting in every single putt and every single, you know, shot on the green. And then you did this – talk about the exercise you did with him and the results, because I thought – I mean, to me, it was pretty cool. The results were cool. And to him, I mean, I think he had a hard time believing it at first because it didn't seem to want to be what he found out.
2: Yeah, exactly. And those guys are a lot of fun to work with because – They've done things for so long a certain way, just assuming that that's, there's no other way, right? So my right. point in, in a lot of this stuff is to just show guys that it, it may not be the right way, but that there's another way to do things. So Scott, who's a great player, admitted that, he, you know, if there was a weakness in his game, sometimes he struggles on the green. So just observed him on that first green, and God, he took, you know, a long time to hit pretty straightforward putt. And you could tell in the stroke it was all – sort of, he was all bound up, right? Stroke wasn't free. He read the putt from both sides. He was concerned with hitting it too hard, but also didn't want to hit it. <laughs> too wanted to get to get it. Like, he went through the whole thing. Yeah, right. And it was sort of the classic example. He almost made it easy for us. So on the next screen, I had him hit another putt in his normal, with his normal routine, just as he would try to make it. And then I, I threw three balls down on the green from different, you know, lengths and breaks, and, and in that time a had him just sort of run up. Yeah, yeah, exactly, not easy putts, and, and had him just sort of walk up to each one without doing any research and just hit him. And, you know, this happens all the time. the results on those putts were better than the one he, he, he did going through his normal routine. So the point of that is to show people that I think, especially on the putting green, we take in a lot of information without even knowing it. And sometimes the more time we spend over a putt, the more bound up we get. And and it really sort of traps our skill and keeps it hidden. And to unlock the skill, we need to be more reactive. Like, so you look and then you go, almost like a tennis player, right? Like if you're returning a shot in tennis, you're not so much thinking about your technique or your footwork or anything. You're just responding to what you see. It's the same idea on the green. Just walk up and hit a putt. Now, again, that's not – the end of it, you've got to find sort of a happy medium of, you know, taking in the information you need, but also allowing your your skill and freedom to sort of come out. So I think it was really eye opening for him, and I think there's a lot of guys like that who, who get so mechanical over putts
1: that they really lose all feel and skill. Let me ask you this question: I, and so obviously you have to have good mechanics. I'm not saying you don't know, mm-hmm. sure um, you know, and, and I think. I mean, a lot of my belief on putting is like, you know, the putter goes back this far and through this far. So, like, and I mean, there's not a lot of strength, coordination, right. you know, right. So I've always felt, and, I mean, I, you know, I sometimes I get criticized for being overly simple, but, like, if we can set you up good to the putter and you have good mm-hmm. set-up fundamentals, like, the rest of it, if you go from there and you let your body react, you should be fairly decent. Okay. I
2: agree, right? There's a lot of ways you know, to make the same putt, too. Right, right. And, and and so, to you know, and to
1: me, though, it's almost like the worse a putter is, the less they need to think. <laughs> Whereas to me, that's kind of what the opposite happens. Whereas the worse a putter becomes, the more they try to overthink it, try to figure out an answer. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that happens all over the course, right? Like the more we're struggling in one specific aspect, like if we're not getting off the tee, the more time we spend. And then whenever someone works their way out of that, it's always, well, I did less. I just sort of stepped up and hit it, or I, I, I took less time, or I didn't go through my routine. And, you know, I find that to be the case all the time. But our inclination is to try to control that environment more when we struggle. So we go through a longer routine, and we try to sort of, do best we can to control every aspect of that environment. When in reality, to unlock our skill and freedom, we have to do less. And you and I joke about this, and I joke about this with my clients, that people really pay me to tell them to do nothing. And that's what it boils down to. But the hardest thing to tell a golfer to have a golfer do is to do nothing because of that need to, to control. You know, in any situation, if you find yourself battling a certain aspect of your game – and recognize the fact that you're you're spending too much time in that one area. Challenge yourself to do less and see what happens.
1: Talk about it. You use that word a lot with us at Fred. Um I've seen you use that a bunch with some of the younger folks and the college players that that we've shared as clients. Like I think that helps people. Like you know, I, I think I, I mean I have you explain it, but it's you know if yeah. You know, I'm going back to the, the first, the one-member Wells that we worked with, and just, like, you remember, like, I mean, the guy had no chance to hit a fade, right? He right. hit big draws easy. But the more we, when we told him to do that, they got better, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, instead of telling himself he couldn't do it, like I said, hit a big draw, and he hit that beautiful draw. Wasn't thinking about any of the stuff in the golf swing that I talked with him before in the lesson the day before. And then... Yeah, you know, the first time. Remember the first time we told him to hit a fade. I mean, he looked at us like we were three headed. That's right. Yeah,
2: Th- that's a good point. So, so there's a lot that goes on in that. And intent and, and to me is adding something. So, look, all golfers talk about wanting to stay present, right? You, you hear that term all the time. I just need to stay present. I, I want to stay in this moment. And in my opinion, the way we ground ourselves in each moment is to add something a little bit obscure or different or novel to what we're doing. Very easy as golfers to get stuck on autopilot, where we go through the motions, we go through our routine, there's no engagement in what we're doing. Adding intent or adding some, the term is novel distinction, a a really great psychologist named Alan Langer talks about this a lot, that when we add something different to something that we do all the time, we're much more engaged. So the example I use, and and she uses, and I borrowed from her, is, you know, if you were to brush your teeth with the opposite hand or write your name or eat anything with the opposite hand, how engaged would you be in that activity? Well, it's the same in golf. If you hit draws all the time, maybe try to hit a fade and see how engaged you are and whether or not you can pull it off. That's not the point. The point is that for that moment, you're engaged in that shot alone, completely engaged, so that nothing else matters. And that's the thing that golfers struggle with all the time, is you go on autopilot, sort of miss all this information, you finish your round, and like, I played awful. There was no engagement whereas you add a little bit something different to each shot. And, again, you play around with it and find something that, whatever that means to you, it's not a one-size-fits-all type thing. But for this example, this this guy could not never hit a fade before. So having him just sort of intend to hit a fade or think that he was going to try to hit a fade really got him in that moment, and he actually hit the ball pretty well. He was Correct, engaged right. because of intent. So I think it's a really powerful skill and, and a really good one to practice on the range because that's when we really go brain dead. And just start beating balls, and there's no engagement, right? There's no learning going on. So, adding a little bit, something a little bit different
1: to each shot is a great way to to enhance your practice. You know, and, and when I took him on the golf course, which I think I think some of the most productive things you and I've done is where we go out there with a player on the golf course and we watch him play a couple of holes, and then we talk to him.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: and uh, uh, but was you yeah. know I. I said to this to this guy, I said, you know, where are you trying to hit this? I'm just trying to hit it, you know, at the hole. Well, and it's like, right. well, and he's like, but I always end up over there because it's, <laughs> you know. <that's laughs> right. Right. right, right. And I said, like, well, you know, what if you tried to hit a draw towards the left side of the green away from the bunker? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and he was like, okay. Oh. So he... He tried that and I was like, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to do it, but at least you're trying right. to do something, this is my point. That's right. And I, think that, and, and I think that, you know, golfers get caught up in the, they grab a club, they get out, and they aim at the green, and they just make their swing. Instead of getting out and saying, I'm 165, this is a six iron, I'm going to try to hit a draw six iron to the left front of the green. doesn't mean you're going to do it, but at least you're trying to do a shot.
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, how about like when golfers have those miracle shots they have to pull off where they got to, you know, <laughs> carve one around a tree and, and there's really no fear, right? Like, And they, and right. how often they pull them off, Like, right? There's such intent and there's no fear because the focus is solely on hitting that shot without any fear of a result. It's, it's right. such a difficult shot. And that's the ultimate example. And that's, you can play those games on the golf course with yourself with, with regular shots. And I think Bubba Watson's famous for it where he doesn't – he he creates shots for himself because otherwise he gets bored and loses focus. So he's had to create ways to play that keep him engaged. And well, it worked for him pretty well. So, you know, there's this old adage that, you know, you want to go out there and just sort of be like a robot and be, uh, you know, an autopilot and just, you go through your routine and keep the same, do the same thing over and over and over again. Yet there's another way to do it. You add some intent or you add some, Focus and clarity and, and novel distinction to what you're doing, you can uh, stay more engaged. You can also enjoy the game a little bit more, I think, too.
1: I think enjoyment is a big part of getting better. I mean, absolutely. I, and I think if you, you know, and I know this is cliche-ish and everybody, but like I think that if you, if you focus more on, like, if your focus is on enjoying it, and and you get more caught up in the process of enjoying the game and improving, yep. I think your scores will get better, you know. That, that's Whereas exactly if, right. That, if everything just hinges on how you shoot. I mean, I don't know that, you know, I mean, I, I think that makes it harder to enjoy it, you know. Yeah, that's that's delaying gratification. That, that's a great example. I, I really subscribe
2: to this belief that we can be fulfilled prior to achieving something, right? In most Mm -hmm. sports, high-level sports, we just assume that we have to wait to feel good about ourselves until we achieve something versus, well, what if we can flip that? What if we can find fulfillment prior to that? Well, then achievement just sort of gets in the way. It happens. So I think that's another challenge for for folks is to challenge yourself to be fulfilled and enjoy yourself prior to achieving something. and I think you'll enjoy a game much more.
1: You know, and I also think, and I'd love to hear you, but, like, you know, if you're if everything is about, like, I want to win the tournament or I want to break 80, want to break 70, whatever it is. But then when you get there and you've done it, I mean, and it doesn't change anything about who you are. There's, like, you know, to me it's like, well, did I really enjoy or get anything out of doing that? But if you enjoyed right. the process of trying to improve and you enjoy the challenge of getting better – you know, then I think that when you achieve those things, then you look forward to doing something different. But I mean, to me, right. if you don't enjoy the process. Like the achievements are emptier or more empty or whatever the hell I'm supposed to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, no,
2: that's right. Well, there's some danger in setting specific goals, and that we just assume when we achieve those goals, we'll be happy, right? And and what happens right. is we either fall short of the goals and are miserable the whole time, or we actually worse. We do achieve them, and we're not as satisfied as we thought we were going to be. And now we're really upset and then we don't get anything out of the game. So finding ways to enjoy that journey, the cliche, right? Like it, it, that's what it's all about. It's how we stay fulfilled and how we enjoy what what we do. The small little incremental changes, not these, you know, home run all or nothing goals. They're great to have. They, They give us some direction, but you know, they can also cause a lot of disappointment too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I played uh, played down in Key West with a buddy of mine the other day, and it just was random. We got paired with two people and fell into the habit of, you know, we got paired with a guy and a girl. A girl, I've been playing eighteen months, right? And yeah, and yeah. So my my brain, I'm being totally honest. My first thought was like, All right, I'm having a couple of cool flights, but like, well, girl, only been playing eighteen months. Like, this is not going to be that fun, <laughs> right? Sure. So, yeah. yeah. And then I watched like how hard she was trying and like every time she hit a good one, she was so pumped up. And when she hit a bad yeah. one, it didn't seem to bother, it just went to the next one. And I was like, man, great. I wish all of my students were like that, <laughs> you know?
2: Right. Yeah. There's and a lot I, to learn. To to a great
1: time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great.
2: No, it's refreshing, right? Like there's, there's such little that beginners need to sort of keep them engaged. Uh, when we reach a certain level of competency, all of a sudden we just assume it's always oh, got to be that way. Otherwise, it's not worth it. But what a great example. Yeah, it's fun. Now you have a lot of my clients go down on the range and just watch kids hit ball, it's the same idea. And there's a lot of freedom, and there's a lot of excitement and joy, and that's really what the game's all about.
1: You know, I was going to ask you about that. You know, I, I see having taught juniors for a long time, not, you know, and now I obviously teach some folks that play for a living, but, you know, mm-hmm. you, I know some players – that when they were 14, 15, 16, were phenomenal putters, right? Yeah. And then this quest that they get better seems to be to hit the ball better. Yeah. But then they hit the ball better, and then now they're not as good of putters, right? In fact, <laughs> they, it would be easy to say that the putting is probably one of their weaker parts of their game. How does somebody go from where when you're young and you're a good junior player your putting is maybe the best part of your game. Everybody talks about how good a putter you are. To where yeah. all of a sudden, now oh, you're a great ball striker and the putters. We mean, what happens there?
2: I think there's very few good putters who are kids or younger or juniors who are mechanical, right? For that that reason, right? Like a lot of right. guys develop their own strokes, don't have putting coaches at young ages and go out there and just putt on instinct. So I think that's one of the reasons. And then I think... You know, as you get older, and as you become a better ball striker, you have more opportunities to make putts, so it may seem like you're not putting as well, and that can start a whole sort of shitstorm. I need to be better. I need to change this. I'm not making the same amount of putts. You probably are, but because you have more looks, you're hitting it better, there's more pressure to make putts. You have to validate good ball striking days that that can cause problems in itself. And then that starts that, you know, quest for mechanics and, and trying to do the right thing, and you get away from... What made you good? I mean, that, that's again, that's not everybody, but I see that happen a lot, right? I think right. so many kids, so many kids that are good putters because they're just naturally gifted at putting. You don't get a lot of putting instruction as a kid, as much as you do full swing. You're working on developing your full swing, and then when you get on the green, you just go out there and play by feel. Like I see it with my own yeah. kids, like they when they go get lessons, they they get full swing lessons. They want to learn how to hit it, and then they go on the green and they can actually get the ball in the hole, and then slowly as you become a more proficient ball striker, well, and then the pressure mounts to be a better putter, and then things start to change. And I think that's where guys start to, to veer off the wrong path.
1: So if anybody was listening to us and they feel like, you know, and I hit it, my golf swing's good. I video it, do all the shit Tony or somebody tells me to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm more solid, right? I got you know, but my, my scores are getting better. And and more importantly, when I play, you know, like I just don't feel like I'm getting any better with how I play. What would you sure. tell them? How would you change their approach? What would you tell me?
2: Yeah. The first would be don't assume just because you're
1: hitting the ground in the range that you're guaranteed to be a good golfer or shoot better scores, right? I don't think very many people understand that just because you practice and you're getting better, that that automatically means you're going to become a better That's player. That's right.
2: There's no guarantees. Now you have to do the work and you have to get better, but it never guarantees you're going to become a better golfer. So now with your new skill, challenge yourself to apply it to playing golf. That's the next challenge, right? So good. You, you, you've succeeded in one part, you've gotten better. Well, now you, there's two parts. Now you have to learn how to play golf and starting to practice in different ways, playing as much as you can, mixing things up is the best we can do entering events, challenging yourself to compete, you know, when every swing counts and every shot counts, those are how you get better. But there's never a guarantee that because you strike the ball in the range and make every putt on the putting green that you're going to shoot good scores. It just doesn't work that way. It's a bizarre game. Like life,
1: though, you know, I mean, and I think that we've been yeah. brought up to, you know, if you go to school and you work hard and you do everything right, life's going to turn out perfect. But, I mean, there's plenty of people that do all the right shit and end up living in the gutter somewhere, <laughs> you know? That's right. I mean,
2: that's exactly happens. right.
1: It happens, right? It is. And you bad start things to roll happen to good people, and great things happen to bad people. That's, <laughs> you right, know? that's right. That's right. And golf, I think that's sorry. why we like golf.
2: Yeah, it is. It's the challenge, right? So I, I had a funny conversation with a 10-year-old kid. Uh, <laughs> I was playing a few holes with him a couple weeks ago. And I Finally found somebody know, that
1: would play with you.
2: Yeah, exactly. He's the only guy that wanted to play with me. And he said, you know, and he, he's good. And he, he hit a bad shot and he got all upset, and then he hit another bad shot and got all upset and kept going. And I said, so let me ask you a question. What, why do you love the game? And he said, well, I love the challenge. He says, oh. So he didn't look like you loved the challenge when you hit that bad shot before. He said, you got mad. And he said, hmm, believe it or not, this is why we play, right? If we develop a certain level of skill on the range and went out and played – in line with that skill every single time, while you'd make a lot of money, I think guys would get bored of it, honestly, right? Most of us play because of the challenge. It's not the same all the time. As golfers, we always compare ourselves to when we were our best, right? Like, we have a handicap. That, that's who we identify with. We, we shot our, our, whatever our course record or the best score we ever shot. That's who we'll always be. But it doesn't so, work out that way.
1: Whenever I sit and talk to you like this, my mind always jumps to situations well, I know, but so would that be why you know you take guys that we've all been around, we've taught where like golf came really easy to them and they were really really good, right? Mm-hmm. And they achieved great things, and then golf got hard and they didn't. Yeah. And they didn't know what to do. Is that why? Because they yes. they, they yeah. never had the.
2: It happens to a lot of golfers where they're really good juniors and amateurs, and as they move up the ranks, they're they're not used to challenge and so those that accept that that each stage in their career is different and it's going to bring new challenges move forward some don't some really struggle with that challenge but it's why we all play
1: it's interesting you know and i think that some and I, I don't but i think some of them then find that maybe they don't really love it that's right you know? they only loved it because they were good at it right right that's, you a, know, great, whereas, that's a great insight you know, and, and I think that, you know, I, I know I taught one that was unbelievable and still may be the best player I ever taught. And, yep. you know, and then when it became really hard, I think he found that there were other things in life he liked more. That's right, and that's and, okay. Right, right. and that's a, But, like, everybody at the time tells him, oh, no, you love the game. You've been great at it. You're going to figure it out. And he's like, shit, I mean, I think I like yeah. Making money having a family and being a normal golfer better. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
2: No? That's exactly right. And I think that's, that's, like, there's two pieces. You have to be good, but you also have to love it, and you have to love the shitty parts of it, too.
1: Right, right, which I think is the hard part about getting yeah. better is that you have to love the part that, that there's going to be times that are that shitty and that you're not good.
2: Yeah, we know plenty of guys that are, are good and play for a living but don't necessarily love it. Good at right,
1: it. right. So, no, no. Don't you think the great ones though have to love it, like to be? The I do. Very, I, I think they have I to think. love
2: the, the crap that comes with it.
1: Right. I mean, like Tiger and Jack, and you you know you can go through those. I mean, they have. Uh, well, they love want- getting better. Right. Interesting. Doc, awesome stuff. Thanks as always, awesome, man. Buddy. You're the best. And, and for thanks for and Thanks for all the support, for the and good stuff. Love it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to maybe you want to see him grab a lesson or go to one of his camps pick up his book lessons from the legends you can do that there if you want to see tony in action with some videos and other content head over to golfsciencelab.com slash tony to get more info there this episode was powered by the golf science lab and was edited mixed and produced by just hit published productions
0: As we go into year two of the tour coach, it wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long time, long withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer. And I've always prided ourselves in special relationships. And when people work together, support each other, and we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I want to give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time, and that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with, and not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first-class people, and they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers, and also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines, It's hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job, and they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers, and we're so proud to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to The Tour Coach, please support our sponsors, on Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines. And keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on The Tour Coach.